This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 120 of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, I'm your host Ben and Gaz is with me as always. Are you well my friend? I am. You said hello everybody. I'll echo that. Hello everybody except Gillingham fans. <laughs> Um, yeah, they've been a bit, I mean, I mean, there's not too much worse than a, a sore loser than a sore winner, is there? No, I mean, I, you know, I, I get on very well. Or I, I'd like to think I do uh, with the guys from Jill's in the blood. So there's been some friendly banter, let's say with them, but there's been one or two, uh, outside of their podcast, some of their fans who are a little, uh, a little less understanding. I, I, I was very surprised uh, at the reaction I understand it was a big win for them they were the better team um, I, I get that but like you say I think the, the the only thing worse than a poor loser is a a poor winner and one or two Gillingham fans that I've encountered were very poor winners in fact probably even worse winners than Sunderland were when they beat us 4-0 earlier in the season uh, and they were awful winners back then mm. yeah I mean it's um you know, I was going to say, you know, how's how's the week gone? But if we should we jump straight into the football, or do we want to have a a bit of a ramble beforehand? Because no, no, let's not ramble beforehand. You and I don't lead interesting lives. No, <laughs> you collapsed on your kitchen floor. I called somebody in McDonald's. So yeah, yeah. there we yeah, go. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that towards the end. Then just to give you know, little dangle of a little tease. Yeah. Um. So um. So yeah. I mean, it's obviously not been. Uh, the best run of results up until yesterday. Um, it was, uh, it was just, it was a difficult week, wasn't it? Um, you know, we had the the Rochdale game where we didn't deserve to take anything from it, um, and then we had the Gillingham game where, again, I don't think we deserve to take anything from it. Despite the fact I will still maintain that I thought we, you know, we had moments where we looked all right going forward. Um, it was just. It seemed to again be simple things at the back that were um, that were causing problems. Um, it was, like you said, I think you know Gillingham deserved the win. I think they were the better side on the night. Um, I think you know if it weren't for Alex Palmer, I think it could potentially have been 
uh, a lot worse than it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't really know if there's too much else to say on, on the topic. I mean, it, it just wasn't it, it wasn't the best of nights, was it? No, I've got a few bits to say on the topic, to be honest. Um, you said there that they were the better side. They created the better chances. Mm. That'll have. Um, you know, we we conceded two really stupid goals. The first one where mm. we're struggling to clear our lines, and when we come on to Sunderland, we'll talk about it again. But when we're when we're winning a second ball, or when we are winning a header in the area, we're dropping it to the edge of the area, and for some reason, the ball's then coming back, and we're almost like penning ourselves in. So that was probably the first goal. The second goal, look, both centre halves are to blame. Um, Adam Jackson has missed a simple header. The ball has then bounced. Lewis Monsma's come in. Now, if you look at Monsma, he's a right-footed player. Um, he's on the left of uh, their boy when he's come in. I can't remember who scored the goal now. Dempsey, was it Carl Dempsey? Um, um, I think so, yeah. He's on the left-hand side of him. He goes for the tackle with his right foot because he's naturally right-footed. So if he's left-footed, if we're playing a left-footed centre-back there, Joe Walsh, the ball, the tackle comes in from the left foot and the left foot comes round across the front of the ball, I think he makes the tackle. So I think the fact that we were a little bit overbalanced, I mean, it was a good finish from Carl Dempsey. I'm not taking anything away from Gillingham in that first 45 minutes. Um, but we were the architects of our own downfall. And you know, we had more shots, I think, than they did. Potentially, I might be wrong with that. We might have had one or two less, but nothing on target. And they had, what, three on target, scored two. Um, and it should have been four or five nil at half time. That's how, that's how it was. Second half... I actually thought we were the better side um, all the way through the second half. And it, okay, if you look at the ratings that people have given the players on the Stacey West and you look at social media, there's very few positives to be able to take from that second half. Teo Eden in midfield was one. I thought he did well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, We didn't really create, but it's going to be hard to create against a team who are organised and disciplined and strong as Gillingham are. If we don't, I know this is going to sound stupid, but if it gets to 40, 45 minutes and it's still nil-nil on Tuesday night, I don't think we lose that game. Yeah, because I think Gillingham, were the, they came out with the game plan early doors. They hit us with it. Uh, if it hadn't come off, if we defended as we defended yesterday, um, I think we'd probably take a point from that game. And and then you've got kind of one defeat in four. OK, so it's, it's kind of, a, you know, three draws and a defeat or whatever, but he's still only one defeat in four or one defeat in five if you include Crew. So then it's not such a bad run. Mm. I think it's just losing to Evans, isn't it? And and you know, you said the, the Brennan Johnson booking pissed me off, Ben, if I'm honest. Because... I mean, yeah, I'll 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 join you on that because I think there was a lot of um you know, I, I had a uh, let's say a spirited discussion um, with with Matty from Jules and the Blood um, about that, and it, you know he was saying, "Oh, it was it was overdue. He was doing it in the first half, and you know it was it was it was something that he should have. You know, if you fall over in the box, you you know you deserve to get a yellow card." It's like, well, you know, we we were just talking off air, and you you mentioned the point that John Kendi did the exact same thing, and nothing happened. But the incident that Johnson got booked for, if you watch it, he actually stumbles before. He goes over. I don't think there was any intent to to try and win a penalty there, because he's getting he's got the ball. He loses his balance. He goes over, and then he gets up and goes over again. There's no, to my mind, there's nothing there that says you know he is trying to win a penalty. He's just legitimately fallen over, um, and it, it it pissed me off when he got you know when he got booked because that incident. It's it's that point where. I think his reputation's going before him, and I don't think it. Need, I don't think it should do. And 
it's something that, that seems to be happening at the moment with um you know with with Brennan he's got this reputation as somebody that that dives to get a penalty and so well it, it was it was really frustrating to see him get booked there honest shout I think he's dived at times this season oh yeah yeah absolutely I think arguably the the thing is there's a difference between a dive and going over softly Mm -hmm. Uh, he does go over softly when there is contact Uh, there has been I think two instances where I think there was a dive I think there was potentially Plymouth at home where he had been stonewall fouled 30 seconds earlier stayed on his feet and the penalty was not given mm-hmm. uh, and then in the next instance it's it's you know he goes down when it's probably a little bit soft and he's given the penalty so you know, what what is he to take away from that is yeah. he to take away from that i'll try and stay on my feet in the future when i'm fouled and not get given a penalty because a foul is a foul whether a player goes over or not you saw that in the under 18s youth game on friday night yeah you know nobody went down for the for the watford winning penalty but it's a foul or it was perceived to be a foul. So it's a penalty. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think where well, I don't think it was a foul that he was booked for. I don't think that it was uh, a penalty that he was booked for. I think he was harsh in the first half. I think there was one in the first half that may have been a penalty that it, that wasn't given. It's not his reputation that went before him. It's Steve Evans because Evans made an absolute rock solid point all the way through the early stages of that game. Um, all the way through the media, you could hear him bawling. He was in the referee's ear. We had a weak referee who pulled out the yellow card. I don't have a problem with players being booked if they go down and it's not a penalty. Fundamentally, I don't have a problem with Brennan Johnson being booked for that. But if he's booked for that, the precedent is that any player that goes down in an area, in the area, claims a penalty and it isn't, should be booked. Because any player who is fouled in the area tries to win a penalty when the referee deems it not to be, technically, surely is deceiving the referee. So mm. John Akindi should, I, be, I believe it was Akindi, and if I'm wrong, fair play, um, but I'm sure Akindi went down. He, there was certainly one in the first game where a player went down um, in, in the 3-0 win. I think it might have been for Dane Oliver and it was turned down. And, and 100% yesterday again was one where Charlie White went down in the area, you know, and he looked at the referee and then even their commentator said that's not a penalty he's gone down too easily it's booking then Mm. it's a booking because this isn't a brennan johnson problem it's a football problem if Mm. you want to stop players going down whenever there's contact one be fair when there's contact and they stay on their feet and two book them every time i've got Mm. no problem with johnson being booked but he's not the only one that does it and that yellow card is the first yellow card i think we've seen all season in any of our games where a player has been booked for diving on both teams that is both teams, and it just that's it, that was the one one thing that annoyed me about the Gillingham game. And I think Ross Joyce was the referee, wasn't he? I thought he was shit um, <laughs> because the foul by Kindy. And you know, with the greatest respect to Gillingham fans, enjoy your win because it was a good win. You you as we said, you you created better chances um, by all means. But if you're seriously telling me that that is not a red card, mm. I'm gonna have to question your sanity mm. because Big John has looked at our keeper, his foot's high, and they're going, is he entitled to go for the ball? Yes, he is entitled to go for the ball. If his foot's that high, and it's Lewis Monsma going for the ball with his head, is it a high foot? It is. Yeah, absolutely. And Ben and Billy Knott was sent off by Stockbridge for a foot not as high. So just because the keeper's allowed to go with his hands, does that then mean that the player's foot can be higher? What if the keeper goes with his hands and Monsma's there with his head? And the mm. fact is, John isn't looking at the ball. 
He's taken a look at the goalkeeper and he's gone straight into Alex Palmer. It's a red card all day long. I think it. I think Akindi was frustrated because despite the fact that I think Gillingham, when I say played well, I mean, you, you know what I mean. Gillingham did the job that was needed to, to get the win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually thought John Akindi was very, was, was poor to be honest. And I think that was just late frustration that he hadn't got his opportunity. And it delighted me. They didn't let him take the penalty because I'm a child <laughs> at heart. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, 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 like you said, to me that is a red all day long. Um, it's, it, it's a, well, I think you said it right. It's assault. Like you can't go in like that with your foot that high um, on anybody. Like it, you know, as you as you say there, if that is fifteen yards up the pitch on a midfielder, it's a red card. So I don't understand how it's not a red card. On the goalkeeper. I mean, we, you know, people say our oh, goal, goalkeepers are too protected. It's like, well, they, he wasn't on on Wednesday night or no, Tuesday night. Sorry, you know, it, it, it was it was an awful challenge. It should have been sent off. But I think the thing I, is that 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 wouldn't have changed the game. It wouldn't have that, made you know, it wouldn't have made any difference. That's not the reason that we lost. I just think that's one decision that you know, unfortunately, was was a poor one um, from the I referee. Think, even if Brennan had got the penalty in the first half, even if he'd got the penalty in the second half, we still didn't deserve to win the game. No, no hiding behind it. I'm not. I, I'm here bitching because um, I, I just don't particularly like the strong anti-Lincoln rhetoric that has come out from. Um, no, there's quite a lot of League Two fans, League One fans as well. I'm not saying Gillingham and I, you know this isn't me having a go at Jules in the blood. It isn't because Matt came on Match Day Live. We have a good relationship. He's 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 a good guy. You know, I respect him. Um, but I just think you know we should actually be proud. We should mm. actually be proud of the fact that they are so delighted that they've managed to beat Lincoln City away from home because traditionally. Gillingham are a better side and a bigger side than us. I remember going to watch Lincoln in, it must have been 90, 89, 90, 90, 91. Gillingham beat us with a hat-trick, Steve Lovell. I've always seen them as a slightly bigger club than us. So the fact that, you know, they came and they got their win. I'm not criticising their style of play either, you know, because... We well, we've been there, haven't we? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not criticising that. Mm. I, and, yeah, I don't like Evans's tactics, but how many people bit? You bit, didn't you? You bit on social media. I thought, I'm not having any of that. I know what he's doing here. And it worked because he riled up a load of Lincoln fans. Nobody, no, not one Lincoln fan could probably have told you who Carl Dempsey was before that game Hmm. because that's, nobody mentioned Oliver and Akindi really in the run up to it because it was all about Steve Evans. It's what he does really, really well. I don't like his football. I didn't always like Danny's football, but there's no denying when they get the ball down in the final third, the likes of Dempsey, the likes of um, Ogilvy, coming up from from the fullback position, like said Jordan Graham, who is a really special footballer. I like that boy a lot. Um, they do what we did, and they do what we did well. But mm. I just don't like it being done to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I think probably draw a line at, at Gillingham now. I think it was, a, you know, it was, it was a, a, a full stop on what had been a bad run. Um, mm. I, I don't think um, it might be a, might be a comma Ben. So let's not, let's not say a full stop yet. Let's let's might hope a it's a full or a stop. semicolon on a, on a bad run. <laughs> let's let's hope that that's the full stop on the bad run because um, we said that against Crew, mate, didn't we? Well, we did. Um, but well, no, I mean, Crew, we we won. You know, yeah, we said that was the full stop on the bad run, and since then we've picked up two points from four games. Yeah, all right. <laughs> 
Um, so then, you know, let, let's uh, let's move on to obviously the news that, that Tom Hopper's out for the season. Um, it was typical. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was just that that moment in the press conference where you know Michael says, "Oh, and, and it looks like Tom's done for the season." You could almost just hear every City fan that was listening to that at the time just sort of like hit their desk and just slump. Um, it's a real shame. Obviously, Tom's had a you know we've been you know champions of him on here, and we said he's we think he's had a really good season um, in in the stuff that he's doing off the ball as well as recently getting on the score sheet quite a bit. Um, it, like you said, it's just typical, isn't it? It's it's just one of those moments where you think, right, people are starting to come back now, and we <clears throat> and we've just lost our number nine. Um, yeah, I mean, any any thoughts on uh, any thoughts on that at the minute? Not really. Um, it is what it is. Uh, it's I think it's reflective of having to play. 16 games in eight weeks or whatever it's been it, mm-hmm. it's just utterly ridiculous I, I fail to understand why the FA didn't extend the season into later into May mm-hmm. and just alleviate some of the pressure I can't understand that we started a month late but we've got to finish on time yeah uh, that's why players are picking up injuries you know Sunderland are in the middle of an injury crisis as well and if they mm-hmm. didn't have such a big squad they would have been as threadbare as we are I think you know, Gillingham pointed to the fact they only had six subs on the bench. They forgot, of course, that Matty Willock missed the bus and they would have had seven. Um, <laughs> he was fine. But do you know what I mean? It's, you know, they are down to the bare bones as well. We all joking aside, there's a lot of clubs in our division that are now, you know, right down to because they're, we're asking too much. And mm. football critics will say, oh, you know, I've only got to run around kicking a bag of wind for twice a week. But it's not that, is it? It's mm. the training. It's the conditioning. You know, I could run around for 90 minutes twice a week, but I'd be absolutely crap blowing out of my arse. So, I mean, these are finely honed athletes mm. um, and, and we're putting far, far too much pressure and expectation on them. So um, I wasn't completely surprised we had another injury. Being honest, I think if we were going to lose a player from anywhere, the front three was probably a place where we can soak it up. You know, we've got um, Scully, who I think could play through the middle. We've we've not had any aerial presence anyway. It's all right saying, you know, is Scully big enough to play a number nine? Well, we don't win a header. We don't win headers at corners. Mm-hmm. We don't put crosses into the box onto players' heads. We put them into feet. So it doesn't matter if you're playing Dean Keats up front, apart from the fact he's a midfielder. But you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> play someone five foot up front because our football tends to be into feet anyway. So it's not being unfair to Tom when I say it's one I think we can cover because he has been strong this season. Um, he's been, you know, the, we said about the false nine. He does a lot of work off the ball. Um, does a, you know, the way that we play kind of occasion. It requires his style at times and, and the kind of Callum Morton dedicated actual nine, not false nine at others. So it just cuts down our options more, but um, yeah, I I think it would still be worse if we were to lose Liam Bridcut than mm-hmm. than anyone else. I think it would be more detrimental to the way we play if we were to lose Conor McGrandles, Teo Eden. Um, dare I say Morgan Rogers? People might boo at that, but do you know what I mean? It's we've lost a, we've still lost a, fir- a key first team player and an influence on the field. So, but instead of hitting the desk, I heard it and I just went, yep, yep, of course. 
Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, yeah. Why, why would I be surprised anything else? It's like if I pick six lottery numbers, like if I pick four, seven, and nine, it'll be five, eight, and ten that come out. That's that's our look this season. Yeah. No, it's. Um, I mean, it's it's a massive blow. Um, as you said, hopefully we can you know we can soak it up and uh, and have the players in that can cover. Um, not necessarily in the in the same style, but you know, I think. Um, from the sounds of it, Callum Morton seems to be relishing the opportunity. Um, and, you know, the, the, his, uh, his comments, I think he was talking to, I think he was talking to Rob, um, on Radio Lincolnshire about it. And he said, you know, the, um, he's really looking forward to the opportunity to, to kind of prove himself. Um, and hopefully do what he did for, um, for Northampton, um, for us this season. So, you know, hopefully we'll be, uh, running into a, a strong, uh, Hopefully, <laughs> strong running. Let's um, not forget Brennan Johnson can play nine or ten. Morgan Rogers could probably play there as well. So it, it's not like we're losing that central defensive midfielder, um, and, and we're having to try and force a square peg in a round hole. There are players that can play there. I'd probably like to see Brennan play in that role um, mm. and, and swap with Callum Morton, and then bring Harry Anderson in if he can get fit on the right-hand side and Morgan Rogers on the left. Mm. Uh, and then you've still got Scully to come into that as well. So I think, you know, whilst Tom's injury is a blow, any first-team player injury is a blow. I don't think it's a mortal blow. Whereas I think if we were to lose, for instance, another centre-back or Liam Bridcutt, um, you know, as as we already have George Grant, for instance, or if we were to lose Alex Palmer, they're mortal blows. Mm. This is one where you've just got to get back up and stick your chin back out to be punched, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, I mean, do, do we want to do want to touch on the on the youth game on Friday? Yeah, can do. Because um, I, I I caught the uh, I caught the second half of it, and I thought it was uh, you know it was a I thought it was a decent game. Um, at least you know some couple of cracking goals from Freddie Draper. Um, and I honestly don't know why the penalty in the end was given, but you know it was a performance that. I think everyone involved can can hold their hands up um, and be proud because it was, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it was a, t- a tough game, but overall, um, well worth a watch on a on a Friday afternoon on YouTube. Yeah, um, I mean, your 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 definition of afternoon and mine are very different because it kicked off at six o'clock. Of course, it's, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been yeah, off this week. Right. I've been off this week. It's fine. Uh, yeah, of course, no worries. Um, Watford, former Premier League club. Big academy. I think the, the boy that played that scored their penalty and their second goal had come from um, Feyenoord and had been playing in the Dutch top flight for Alkmaar in their um, youth setup as well. So, yeah, a very heavy international flavour. I think one or two of our one of our two of our lads put in a good performances. Thought Sean Rowan had a really good game. Um, lovely, lovely ball for Freddie Draper's first goal. I'm going to avoid talking about Freddie Draper because I don't want the QI Claxon to go off. <laughs> and I'm not one that watches a youth team game, sees a kid score two absolutely fantastic goals and then goes, call him up to the first team. Uh, and doubtless we're going to be talking about that from one of the questions in a minute. But I think it's just heartening to see um, a Lincoln City youth team where you're not just talking with the greatest of respect about one or two players. You know, like in the past when it was um, when we got to play West Brom and we were talking about uh, just three players, I think Tim Akinola, um, obviously Alice Chapman and, and Jordan Adebayo-Smith and one or quite a few of the others were were 
were not really mentioned. Um, I know Duncan Idahan has since gone on and joined Grimsby and is playing there, and obviously Tim's at, at Arsenal. But it's nice to see the steady progression. We're cheating a little bit at youth setup, and I think probably the club would accept that because you know Freddie Draper I think's been at Derby and Coventry. Yavon Makoma was uh, I think he was at Derby as well. I think we've got a couple of lads from down south who have come into the side. I think um, obviously Sam Long's come up from London, so. We, we are throwing the net out there to get the talent, but it is working. Mm, um, yeah. And I have no doubt whatsoever that one or two of those players will be handed professional contracts to boost up the uh, the playing squad, especially um, if we were to go up, because I wonder if we were to go into the championship, we, we wouldn't be invited into the EFL trophy because we will win our higher level, the highest level academy. Mm. So we wouldn't have to be putting an under 21 side in. But I think if you go up to that level, probably we would look at them fielding a side in an under 23 league potentially. Yeah, totally. That's, um, I, I just think it was a, you know, like I said, decent performance. I think there are multiple players in that, uh, in that, you know, in that side that, I said, I think could potentially be given, you know, pro contracts. So it's, yeah, uh, I mean, there's yeah across the front, there's the boy from um, the Ugandan boy, and uh, yeah, I've, I've not I, forgive me, I'm not even going to attempt to insult him by trying to pronounce his name, although I have written it several times. He looks really good. Um, Makoma, who who obviously came from Derby, he played in the um, first team in a pre-season friendly, might have been against Scunthorpe. His little chest down for Draper was really nice. And if they played together at Derby and they played together at Lincoln, you, you know, you never don't rule out them kind of coming through together. Um, obviously, Hayden can, Sean Rowan, very, very good players. Jasper Tetlow at the back, who I, I quite like as well. He was out injured last season, uh, and I think he's going to be a big player. The little lad in midfield, Billy Brooks, was a challenge he put in late at the end, which was absolutely timed to perfection. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there's plenty to be positive about. They give a really, really good account of themselves against a good Watford side. You know, don't let let's not let's not take anything away. You look at some of those Watford kids, and they they're good footballers um i i dare wager a bet of the 22 players on that pitch double figures will have professional contracts um around the football league uh, within the next couple of years and hopefully you know four or five of those lads can come through and join hayden can and sean rowan and sam long in the first team there we go i mean it was i think the only the only slight uh blot on the performance um you know aside from the result for me, we're seeing uh, you know Sean Rowan be coming off with with an injury. Um, hopefully, that's not you know as you said, that's another one where you just think, of course. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, I, I yeah. saw it because I'd been watching the game and I uh, feed cooked dinner and we're watching Life on Mars through at the minute because it's on Netflix till April the sixth. And she sort of said, "Oh, come, you, know, you ready to eat dinner?" So bloody, hell, I'm gonna have to stop watching this now. And it, it was two two. I think and then quite gone into extra time when I stopped watching it. And uh, yeah, I was checking on Twitter and it just came up. Sean Rowe went off injured. He's like, yeah, of course he did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who else yeah. would it be? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't want any anyone to be injured, but it's not one of the lads who's only playing in the under 18s at the minute. It's got to be the one that's been on the first team bench the most, doesn't it? Of course yeah. it has. I mean, you know, in fairness, they, they did look absolutely knackered by the end of it. And that goes for the Watford lads as well. I think it was... Uh, it kind of just shows how you know how fast paced and how intense the game was. So I thought it was a, a really good um, a really good showcase for the academies and credit to credit to Watford for sticking it on the YouTube channel. I thought it was uh, you know decent. So um, right, so then we've got the trip up to Sunderland. Um, 
which I think if you'd have asked anybody on maybe what at any point last week, um, I think we probably would have said, yeah, I don't think we're going to get anything. And then with the uh, with the press conference where Michael said that uh, Lewis and, and Adam were probably looking a little bit dodgy for the game. Um, I, I don't think any, you know, any any sane Lincoln fan really would have been expecting anything from it. But we got a solid performance yesterday. Um, I think you know the second half was was an excellent performance. In the last twenty minutes, really, I think there's only one team in the game that, that could have gone on to win it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a it, it was a surprise that. Both uh, Jackson and Montsmar started, or Montsmar, as I should say, because um, I know you loved that yesterday, guys. Um, but uh, yeah, bit of a surprise they both started, and uh, overall, I think we were good value for the draw. What about yourself? Yeah, it's odd actually because I did text my old man um, just before kickoff, and he said, "Well, we're not going to get anything from this today." I said, "I think it'll be a draw," and I'd, I'd said on Match Day Live that we'd lose uh, because I, you know. I like to hedge my bets uh, and look like I'm right in one instance. And then I can always turn to the one where I'm right and ignore the one where I'm wrong. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I think when I saw the two teams and when, when you take perspective rather than just the form table, it was a game that we were always likely to be in. And the fact is that if you watch your team lose three nil, or you watch your team lose at home to Rochdale, uh, or you fail to pick up a win in three games, you begin to feel a little bit ambiguous about your chances in any encounter. Whereas when you step back a little bit um, and you look at the 11 players that lined up, um, you take Michael's kind of pre-match. Um, I mean, I'm sure the players did have a knock, but you know, Michael's very much like, Sir Alex Ferguson, isn't he? And that, uh, you know, Fergie always used to say players were injured. And then, what do you know? They're in the squad on Saturday. And, I, you know, I'm sure that these players are carrying knocks, but it is, there was a big indication that one or two of them were, were fit when uh, when Sean Rowan did turn out for the under 18. So um, I think, you know, when you step back from it, in actual fact, it, there was no reason for us to go and fear this game. We went there with. Um, a slightly weakened side in the uh, EFL Trophy semi-final. And we bossed that game for 45 minutes or so, didn't we? We were the better side. and We only really let them into it in the last 15. Mm. So the key was always going to be to keep our concentration, to not let in a stupid goal early doors, knock our confidence and and give the visitors something to chase. And I think if we were going to concede, it was actually the best time to concede because very quickly afterwards half time came and we could regroup rather than 10 minutes later making another silly mistake and the game getting away from us mm. um I'd rather we didn't concede but I think that Peter I, I'm sure we're going to come on to scapegoats and and the sort of comments that people put up during the game but I actually didn't think we were bad in the first half at all I think look going forward we lacked anything um I, I yeah more put Callum Morton looked isolated but mm. a striker can can only do um something positive if he has the ball it's like you know you, your milkman would look clueless if he turned up outside your house and his milk float didn't have any milk on it um but if his supplier hasn't brought the milk it's not his fault is it but you, you wouldn't call a milkman a knob because it wouldn't be his fault I mean I know people don't really have milkman anymore but you know where I'm going with that <laughs> and so yeah if you don't give Callum Morton the right ball in the right area you don't score. And mm. he looked increasingly isolated against what was three at the back. But going for, at the back, I thought we did well. And I'm I'm not having this 
negativity around Regan Paul because I thought Paul marshaled McGeady excellently. And McGeady was the danger man. You give him the ball, he's going to land it on someone's head. Charlie White's not a brilliant footballer. He's a good striker. Mm. So you give him bullets, he will hurt you. But mm. if you stop the ball into him, he ain't going to do a Tom Hopper. He's not going to come running out and pick the ball up and carry it off and beat players or do whatever on his own. He yeah. wants the ball into him. If he don't get the ball into him, he doesn't score. James Norwood's very much like that as well. Mm. So I thought Regan Paul did an excellent job stopping McGeady. I thought Cohen Bramwell did a very good job tracking and nullifying the threat of Gooch on the other wing. And, mm. you know, he gave Gooch more to think about when he was pushing on. So it, it was... I mean, he, he had him on toast, didn't he? Let's, it, let's not... Let's not yeah, let's, let's not bait around the bush with it a couple of times not not time and again a couple of times yeah he did um, i mean you know in a in a straight race there's no competition there at all and i think he you know he got the best of him um i said on on a few occasions and i thought you know I'm, I'm with you on pool as well by the way i don't think he was you know i don't think he was he was bad at all i don't understand where people are, are picking this up from it's he ridiculous made one bad, he made a bad well, he made a perceived bad decision when he's very cleverly um, pressured Luke 9 won the ball, got away. So he's done all the good stuff, all the right stuff. And then people are saying square it to Morton. But if you watch Dion Sanderson, that's a really clever defender. I like that boy a lot um, because he just timed his run to coincide with that of Morton. So he was kind of closing pull off. There was never a pass on. And how many times have we seen one of our players get in that position and then play the ball either across the six-yard box and the keeper's picked it up or tried to pull it back behind the player? Morton's run was almost screened. So I think Paul was taking it, hoping that something would open up because a lot of our balls, and particularly those from Paul, involve getting into an advanced position and then pulling it back to penalty spot, edge of the area, something like that. And there was a couple yesterday where that happened. Um, I think Rogers did it for Bramwell. I think Paul maybe did it for Rogers later on. Um, don't get me wrong, Sunderland were a very good side. And mm-hmm. although I thought we we did well in the first half to contain them, I don't think 1-0 at half time was unfair. I think they probably had better chances. Um, but if it had been level, nobody, I think, nobody would have said, well, Lincoln don't deserve that. And and that was testament to the fact that we have been, you know, let's be honest, shit for 180 minutes. And if you take the second half of, of Ipswich on in, you know, like 225 minutes, we've been, we've been poor for. Yeah. Um, so I thought it showed a lot of character. And yeah. the second um, half, well, there we go. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I, you know, I can't disagree with you on what you've said there at all. I think um, it was a, you know, I said it was a welcome surprise. Um, and I said on, you know, I said on social media before and that I, I would love to be surprised today, but I couldn't see us getting anything. And the fact is, I was really pleasantly surprised. Um the uh, as you said, I said, I wouldn't have begrudged going in one nil at half time. I think it was a, you know, it, it was that moment when I think it was a, it was a mistake. But it's hard to sort of pinpoint where the mistake came from because I think there was a lot of people who were, uh, a lot of people who picked up Paul for for the goal. But as you said, he was presumably at that point being told to mark somebody else, and you know. It's man Marky McGeady. Yeah, you know, and, and at that point, is it that, you know, Johnson's not tracked back or, you know, it's not about, for me, it's not about pointing fingers. It's just that it, it was a poor decision collectively, I think. And, it, you know, unfortunately, you know, um, McFadden got, it, you know, a ton of space 
uh, and and had enough time to to pick his spot essentially. But it happens, and thankfully it didn't happen again. Um, yeah, well, what would say I think. In actual fact, I think our attacking intent has cost us because mm. I think the initially it's not like they've broken a wave and their winger or their fullback has got, you know, Johnson hasn't tracked him because it wasn't a run necessarily to track. We were over in the other corner defending. I saw somebody blaming Cohen Bramwell for a weak clearance. Yet he's cleared it because he has to, but he's mm. cleared it to one of their players, I think Max Power. Then Power's looked up. And at that point, Johnson has probably already started running on the attack and then he's had to come back. I mean, I certainly don't blame, blame Paul. It wasn't mm. like it was a set piece. You know, I think I think he did a really good job on McGeady. And the fact that McGeady, McGeady didn't get an assist and didn't score a goal should not go unnoticed. Mm. Uh, th- there will be blame for it. I mean, you, you've, you've, Michael will won't be blame. He won't go into the dressing room, point finger and go, you were at fault for the goal. But they will look at the, look at the goal and go, why did we concede that? But it's not as easy as to just say, well, hang on, he was in the right back position. Where's Regan Paul? Yeah, because we don't like Regan Paul because he's replaced TJ Omer and everyone likes TJ Omer. And mm. yeah, it's a generalisation. But um, I think whenever a player comes in in January, they always seem to get a hard time. Mm. Yeah. There's very few that come in in January that don't, because then if you have a bad run, they go, well, you've upset the apple cart. I mean, I, I saw one person saying that too many changes in January has, has damaged the team. I saw another saying not enough people coming in in January. It's just like, yeah, this bloody transfer window. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do. Somebody will always say you did it wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I don't know. Like it, it was just, uh, I don't know, but I mean, let's let's move on to the second half because I think the second half was was a lot more positive. I think we were we, we came out and we we took the game to Sunderland, um, and I think honestly, you know, as I said earlier, there was only really going to be one team that won it if that game had have gone on for another ten minutes. Um, I think we looked, you know, I think we looked really strong, and particularly in that last, I say, last twenty minutes, um, it it just didn't look like we were gonna let the game slip did it no it's confidence thing i think first 15 minutes of the half actually were not that great um up until probably 60 minutes and we we gave a silly free kick away which we'll talk about boyerson in a minute but you know it was a free kick given on the edge of the area that i thought was 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 soft palmer's made a good save and don't you know would we say this dominated let's not underestimate the fact that alex palmer has made four or five um, saves from efforts on target, but he saved McGeady's free kick. Obviously, we've then gone up the other end three minutes later, uh, and as soon as we've got the goal, something changed. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're watching and you're supporting a team, you will always say we scored the goal, so we grew in confidence, so we got better. The team that were defending, that Sunderland fans, will say when Link- when Lincoln got the goal, it was something they did. They shrunk back. They lacked confidence, but the balance of the game certainly shifted. I don't think Callum Morton had really had a meaningful touch until he scored the goal. Mm. Um, I don't want to be harsh to the kid because, like I say, he was starved of, um, of of the ball. And unlike Tom, he's not one that you know, will he'll fight for the ball, but Tom will go and win it in certain areas. And I didn't think Callum had done that, but he took that goal very, very well. He won't win goal of the month because Morgan Rogers has got that wrapped up one, two, three, probably. Mm. But... Sunderland fans will say it was a defensive error. 
And this is, you know, this is what we need to consider. Even when you go all the way to the Gilling, back to the Gillingham game, we consider a defensive error. They'll look at the positives that their player did and find in space and that sort of thing. So Sunderland fans will say, how have we not marshaled Morton there? How's he got that much time in the area? You know, he's always going to score. We'll say, well done. You know, real tenacity from the lad. Um, and it, yeah. it, I thought it was decent play from us. If, if I remember correctly, the ball kind of came in from a wide area, was cleared, and bit of head tennis, nodded straight back in. He had work to do, did Callum Morton. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get he's more of a when I say Gary Lineker type striker, he's more of a does very not does very little because that that sounds disparaging. You know, I'm not talking about kind of a, a an Akindi figure here that's easy to kind of point his finger at. He, he works. Um, but I think he sometimes doesn't get the rub of the green, can look ineffective, has certain people on social media saying he's like Bambi, get him off, we may as well play with 10 men, yada, yada, yada. And then he just pops up and goes, how about that then? Mm. And then everyone on social media is going, you know, oh, I didn't say, I didn't mean it really. You know, like when I say we're never going to score and then we score. And then I go, <laughs> yeah, I meant it ironically. Um, that uh, that Simpsons meme, by the way, was perfect. That you yeah. Retweeted. <laughs> um, but um I think I think it's probably important to note here that you know when you have players like Callum Morton and you have players like um, Tom Hopper in your side, you can't have it both ways because we've pointed out so many times Tom Hopper may not be the person that gets you know the most goals at the end of the season, but he does all of that work. But at the same time, you've got Callum Morton who might not be doing quite as much you know. Uh, you know, legwork as, as Tom's doing, but he's going to get a goal. So where do people want to draw the line? You know, do you want to have a striker that gets, you know, goals in important games? Or do you want to have a striker that might not necessarily score, but does a lot of work to help others score? It's That was where my head was at yesterday, because I just saw so many people saying, oh, Morton's crap, he's not worth it, get him off. And then he pops up with a goal, just like Morgan Rogers the other week. It's like, well... Come on, you, you've got to have, you, you're not going to have the player that gets the ball in his own box, dribbles it all the way and then slots it home. You, you know, you're not going to get that player at this at this level. And Morgan Rogers. On a permanent deal, can I get away with that? No. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean, though? Like, he's, you're not going to have the perfect player. You're not going to have the perfect striker come in. And you're, not, you're definitely not going to get two of them. Um and I think the, the the balance that we've got in the team allows us to have players like Tom that will you know do that legwork and get the you know get the ball for others to kind of you know do what they need to do with it. And you've got Callum who thrives on that service, and when he gets the service, he'll get you a goal. I just I, I thought it was interesting to see you know when when people were complaining about Tom Hopper the other week for not getting enough goals, and then you know you see. Callum Morton popping up and getting a goal and people are still complaining about him as well. Just a bit ridiculous, really. I thought you were after me there for a minute to come in. Yeah, no, 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 it was was a decent goal. Then immediately after that, I noticed Callum looked energised and he robbed the ball off, I think it was McGeady's toe, ran Mm. the length of the field and won as a corner, um, Mm. which, you know, is is as good as a goal kick. (laughs) 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 Um, But, uh, yeah... Well, I thought we were very, very good after that. We did look like scoring. I mean, people will criticise Cohen Bramwell for not putting his effort away. I praise Cohen Bramwell for timing his run, arriving at the right time and getting a shot on target. You know, I, I will criticise 
um, when we're not when we're restricted to long range efforts that I think are pointless. But if we're getting efforts on goal and making the keeper save, and it wasn't an easy save. No, I um, thought that was actually a really good save. I, I thought yeah. you know people were saying oh, I should have stuck it in the corner. You look back at that footage. There's a defender either side that would easily yeah. you know have stuck a leg out and and stopped that going in. So I think he only really had one area to aim at, and the only criticism I could potentially make is that he'd stuck it along the ground and didn't try and uh, you know put it into the top of the net. But he's not a striker, so yeah, if he puts it up and over the net, do you know, it, yeah, it was yeah. it, it was, it was yeah, saveable exactly. for the keeper, but he still had work to do. Um, it was a good save, and then I think he made another save from Morgan Rogers, which was from a pull pull back. And you know, I keep hearing that Regan Paul can't can't put a final ball into the box, and I don't really know where that comes from because. We then had the sort of real clear cut chances and made the keeper make saves. And do you know what? That was that was when with... that was the moment when um, Scully Scully looked like it was going to go out and he ran to keep it in, didn't he? And then yeah, and pulled it back for Regan. Pulled, pulled it back, took it yeah. off the defender's toe, and and pulled put, put it in. And you know that's where that's where I think you know Scully is definitely staking his claim for you know first team spot now. He'll get it on Friday because uh, you know Brennan's not in the team. So what about Harry? Well, I don't know if Harry's going to be fully fit to start. Yeah, 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 you don't need to put the inflection on your question at the end. You're quite right. It's not. I was just calling you up to see what you said. <laughs> Scotty probably will start. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Anthony Scully on the right. I love him when he comes on. I think he does so well at times when he comes on. I mean, he didn't when he came on against, was it Rochdale at half time? I, I, it took me till 65 minutes to realise that he was on. Um, but he's committed. And as you point out, I mean, that was brilliant work to keep that ball alive. He then kind of lost it, then won it again, and then laid the little pass in. And what you've got with Scully is he's been playing for us all season. And so he understands the patterns of play. And I'd rather us stay 4-3-3. I don't think the 4-4-2 worked uh, particularly. I think it would do were we to see um, players kind of playing regularly in in those roles. But... Uh, I don't think Scully's a natural right winger, uh, but I do think that he has the potential to play through the centre. I would like to have seen a sub later on yesterday, but I think that we were organised. Um, you know, we were looking like we might go on and win the game. They did too. You know, every time they went forward, I still had that heart in the mouth. Are we gonna? Are we gonna throw it away? Um, and at the end of it, I think we came out. I think a draw was a fair result on balance. I think if we'd beaten them, it probably would have been very harsh on a on a very very good Sunderland side who I think will go up automatically. And just purely on that basis, it was a great result. And we have to use that now. You know, we can't now go to Oxford on Friday and turn in another Gillingham or Rochdale performance. Yeah. Because absolutely. if we go and do that, we'll just embarrass ourselves. Um, and. We make, make make no mistake about it. We are in a fight to keep our playoff place. Mm-hmm. Um, we are. People might say we're still in an automatic promotion fight. Maybe we are. We've still got to go to Peterborough. We've still got Hull to come to our place. Maybe we are in that. Um, I'm not convinced. I think we're in a battle for a top six place, and it's going to go very close to the wire because you know, like Portsmouth have got nobody to play now in the top eleven. Um, between now and the end of the season, they're knocking on the door. Okay, Oxford lost yesterday, but a win for them on Friday would put them back in contention. Ipswich are going to keep knocking. They're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, hopefully, Gillingham's draw yesterday kind of um, might make it tough for them. But you know, they're going to be fighting. There's, there's teams, I think, all the way down to 13th. 
that mm. were within three or four points yesterday of the playoff place. We're in pole position for a playoff place because we're the team that are in the the sixty odd points at the minute. But you know we've got to be picking up one and a half to two points per game. So a, a draw at Sunderland is a great, great result, a very, very good result given the problems that we've had. But it's not a great result if you then don't get anything at Oxford. And I'll even take a draw at Oxford if you then beat NK Dons because then five points, three games. I could live with that. If we take five points from every three games between now and the end of the season, we'll finish in the top six. If we start taking five points from 10 games, we'll finish well outside the top six. I mean, do do we think it's a little bit, I don't know what the word is, but do do we think it's a little bit of a, an anticlimax to be saying now that we'll be, you know, we're looking to finish in the top six rather than, you know, Six to eight weeks ago, we were potentially saying we could potentially, you know, we're looking at finishing in the top two. You answer your own question first, and then I'll answer it. Oh, I mean, I think in the answer is no, Ben. Yeah, uh, the an- for me, I mean, for me, it's no. It's in, in, in in the view of you know the season, definitely not. But I think having been in that position, I think there's that there's just that element of what if. Um. But you know, I, I, I would I would definitely not be disappointed if we end up in the top six. Definitely football, not. Football is one great big what if. Yeah. And a season, every single season, all the way through history, bar one, um, consisted of playing every single team in the division twice. And once you've done that with the squad of players that you've assembled, you get your league position. So just because you have been top at one point or or whatever. You know, it might depends who you've played at that point, what players you've had, what players you've had injured. You might be bottom and have had six players injured. You know, because Burton were bottom at Christmas, do fans look at it and think, well, they should have been relegated? Do you know what I mean? I understand that we were we were doing very well. We had our own um, our own future in our hands. Seemingly, form has dropped off. I don't think there's anything that the manager has done, or that's uh, that you could point at it and go. That's why we haven't done well. You know, like 10 years ago, 2010-11, you could point to things Steve Tilson did and said, that's why we've gone down. Mm. Um, could you do the same 2006-07 with Scoey and John Dean? You know, leaving the likes of Mark Stallard or Jamie Forrester on the bench in favour of lone players such as Junior Mendes? Maybe, maybe you could point there. But I'm not sure that there have been any fundamental selection problems that, that have derailed this season. I think the only thing that has derailed this season um, is injuries. I actually think Hadley and Bridcott been fit for 46 league games, uh, I think that we would be probably five or six points clear at the top now. But he hasn't. He wasn't. So that's football, isn't it? And the won't. Yeah, you're, you're quite right. We should not be disappointed if we finished in the top six. Absolutely crazy. Because if anybody had told me we would be in the playoffs in, in League One in the 2021 season, you know, five, six, seven years ago, you'd laugh at them. And it's all right saying, yeah, but that was five, six, seven years ago. But everything has to be taken in context. Everything. So you could say... If you're one of those people that say, well, you can't keep talking about the fact that we're in the National League, we're in League One now, fair enough. So by the same rationale, you can't keep talking about the fact we were top of League One because we're now fourth in League One. Do you know what I mean? So you either take things as they are now or not. Me, I take things on a season-by-season basis. And you can look at certain seasons, 82-83, we know why we collapsed. It was a problem with funding and the board and the upheaval. 06-07, I believe that there were 
the odd uh, there was a couple of selection errors but in the main we didn't have a plan b and in the main that season we were a team that should have been competing at the top of the table this season is different because we've got the back end of the board. I think we had a decent January and we're a team that shouldn't even have the right to be at the top of this table. Our budget is around 13th or 14th uh, or 20th or, or 1st, I think, if, if you listen to Steve Evans. But we're about 13th or 14th in terms now of budget. <laughs> so, yeah, we should be between 10th and 13th. That's my feeling. That's where we should probably finish. I think it's where I shouted us to finish. So, yeah, I'm... I was disappointed when we started losing games because I was dreaming of the championship. Mm. It's taken me a week or two to refocus. Um, And I think now I've made my peace with the fact that actually probably automatic promotion is, is out of our reach and, you know, people can call me a pessimist, but now I believe that now I'm happy with the fact, right, we're in a playoff fight. Let's go and do it. And and then I don't think we would go through the playoffs, but my God, what an experience and a springboard for next season. Absolutely. So, right. I think that's Sunderland put to bed. Um, we did put a quick call out for questions. And the reason we did that is we thought it was going to be a short podcast and we're already on 50 minutes. So should we rattle off, a th- uh, rattle through a few. And then um, we've, we've said we're not going to preview Oxford because that is obviously going to be the Thursday job. So, um, we can probably answer a couple more questions then as well. Yeah, I also think Thursday it'd be nice to talk about our favourite Easter weekend memories. Okay, yeah. Let's... Fo- football related. I don't want to hear about the time that you got a Marvel Avengers egg or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I just, oh, I got this egg and it was cartoon characters and it was great and I got it all in my beard. Yeah, cracking band. Are we finished? No, you know, <laughs> I'm never finished. I watched, uh, I watched the Falcon, the Winter oh, Guy. Yeah. I watched Flyboy and Frighty Frosty. It's all right. Is that? I take it. I take it that little nickname you've given it there is a Marvel thing that only comic book geeks will understand. Well, no, because Falcon, because he flies, and then Fighty Frosty, because he's a Winter Soldier. Oh God, yeah, you should definitely be on the stage. Get fucked. Anyway. <laughs> let's get through some questions right um will asks uh do you think michael should give some minutes to the u-team squad considering our injury problems now this is something that i think you mentioned on match day live um and i kind of put the comment up um about it and just saying not necessarily um primarily because under 18s football is so different to to League One football. Um, it's something that Morgan Rogers has mentioned, isn't it? When he's you know he's come in and he's said you know he's playing, uh, he's enjoying what he's you know how he's playing, but he's had to adapt very quickly. Um, and I'm not casting doubt on any of the abilities of the lads in the in the youth team, but I just think that asking them to adapt in you know what will potentially be April when the season finishes in May, I think that's going to be a very, very big ask of, of you know, players that, you know, are so used to, to youth football. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
yeah, Michael hasn't given minutes to youth player Sean Rowan, who's already got 11 or 12 starts to his name. So um, absolutely not at this crucial stage of the season when we're talking about potentially going into the playoffs, potentially going into the championship, when we have still a squad of 17 or 18 fit outfield senior players as well. Uh, you know, what sort of message are you going to send to Remy Howarth if next week you put Freddie Draper on the bench? And, and people seem to have forgotten Freddie Draper has already been called up to the first team once this season. Um, he was on the bench for one of the EFL trophy games. So, no, you know, it's you can't have a knee-jerk reaction to a good game against Watford by suddenly selecting six or seven youth team players. What you do need to do is make sure that the players are involved in first-team training on a regular basis. You need to make sure that when we play pre-season friendlies next year, that these lads are, are integrated into the first-team squad and and then eventually that they get time out on loan as well. Yeah, Let's not forget that we used to send our youth players out on loan. I think Lee Frecklington went off to Stamford can't remember where Gary King went. We had Martin Pendleton come through, um, you know, Jack Hobbs. We had so, we've had so many come through. It's a steadied approach. You know, mm-hmm. Those boys against Watford, the ones that, that did impress and the ones that will get a professional contract, will get a chance and they will get that chance in the EFL Trophy should we still be in the division next season. Um, but right now, no. It wouldn't hurt to have Freddie Draper around the first team and if one or two players pick up an injury have him on the bench, Absolutely. Did you know if if it's nil nil against Sunderland with ten minutes left? Do you really want to chuck pressure on a seventeen or eighteen year old kid by saying, you know, go on and and hold the ball up, and then he gets dispossessed and they score? What does that do for his long term confidence? Not for mm. me. Not for me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think you know the the immediate thing that comes to mind there is is you look at um, you know when you say about long term confidence, you look at what happened with. Um, with Ellis when he got sent off, um, you know, his confidence seems to take a bit of a knock. Oh, um, I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say Phil Watt in the two thousand and seven oh eight season. <laughs> Sadly, not. No, I've not got so, quite that encyclopedic knowledge, guys. Phil Watt started the first game of the two thousand and seven oh eight season at centre back. He was a very promising young centre back. He got absolutely smashed by a striker called Dave Hibbert, and we lost four uh, nil. I don't think he started another game. He may have played the next one. Um, and then he began a long career in, in non-league. Still a very decent player. He was at Lincoln United a couple of years ago. Um, but it was, for me, that was, you've stuck him in, you've exposed him, and then when he's got absolutely smashed, you've taken him out again. And I think when you look at young Sean Rowan, you know, there was one or two games, Blackpool, um, CJ Hamilton had him. I see, I might be wrong, but I think he started when we lost 3-0 to Portsmouth as well. And I think he struggled that day. So rather than then leave him in the firing line and let him struggle and struggle, Michael did exactly what he said he would do at the beginning of the season, took him straight out of the spotlight. And I think Sean will be a better player for it. Um, and when he was on Match Day Live the other day, he was he spoke with such confidence. He didn't sound like a kid. Um, and and you know, I, I, I like that. Sean Rowan will definitely be in and around the first team next season. I've no doubt at all. But you manage them correctly. And believe me, um, I don't think I need to tell anybody this, but I don't think there's very many better in this division at managing young talent than Michael, because he's a player that's come through the very, very best academy. You know, he was what a year behind or a year ahead of the class of '92. Mm. You don't get uh, a better upbringing than that. So those young players will be given the chance when it's right, not when it's dictated by injuries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, there we go. Have you got another? You got a question there for us? Me? Yeah, or am I going through all the questions? Yeah, you're going through all of them. I, I don't <laughs> check my phone anymore, do I? You're, you're the presenter, Ben. I'm the expert, remember? 
Christ. Well, no, you just fiddle with bits of paper until they perish, like your pants. Yeah, um, I uh, research and know things. <laughs> I drink and I know things. Oh, sorry, that's Game of Thrones. They don't wear um, capes and fly in that. They do wear capes. Do they? Yeah. Not red ones with letters on them. <laughs> Christ's sake. Um, right, where are we? Uh, next question. Uh, from Lloyd says, thoughts on the possibility of Imps v Pompey playoff semi slash final and outcome? Um, obvious you know, reasoning for that is is that uh, Danny and Nicky have gone to Portsmouth. Um, have they? I must have missed that. <laughs> uh, I think there is something of an air of inev- uh, inevitability about it if we do get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm honest. Um, we've seen how thing how quickly things can change, um, and we know what our history is like in the playoffs. So. I'm going to stay firmly on the fence on that one. What about you, guys? Wish I had a quid for every time I'd seen that muted over the weekend. I'd be able to afford a new laptop. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's the obvious. It's the obvious thing. It's the same when I was saying about the AFL Trophy final, and it's written that you know it'd be Oxford and Michael Appleton. Who's it going to be for third time? Lucky it was neither of them on it in the end. Yeah. So yeah, football does have a habit of throwing those stories up. It also has a habit of not throwing those stories up when you think they will. Um, on the balance of things, I think Portsmouth are more likely to get into the playoffs than we are given our running, but it is highly probable that both teams will be in the, in the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, I, it's not something I think about. Let's get there first. And we can talk about our luck in the playoffs. You know, how many have we lost now? Um, is it six? Did uh, we do four on the bounce? Five, is it five we've lost? We did four on the bounce with Keith, didn't we? Yeah, I want to say it's six. I, six, I, yeah, we did, because we did yeah. four with Keith, one with Scoey, and then again with Danny and Nicky. Yeah. Uh, but don't forget, Danny and Nicky lost in the playoffs with Braintree to Grimsby. They lost in the playoffs with Lincoln to Exeter. So um, I, I'm not, again, do you know what? If it gets to May and it looks like that's going to happen, let's talk about it. But with 11 games to go, I'm more focused on getting in the playoffs and who we meet, we meet. Um, wish Danny and Nicky all the best. Got no problem with talking about them whatsoever. Uh, but in context of our season, let's concentrate on us. And if they do end up in the opposing dugout, deal with it when it happens. Absolutely. Um, so the next, uh, well, the last question that we're going to do for today, because we are just about to hit an hour, um, is from Linez. It says, uh, what's your opinion on individual players being called out every game for one mistake? Um, if I can be blunt about it, I think it's bullshit. Um I think, you know, players being essentially used as a scapegoat for a poor performance uh, is is awful. You know, it's it's not going to do it's not going to do anybody any good. Um, and this is the this is you know this is the the argument I was trying to make on social media on Wednesday or on Tuesday night was that we're all right to criticise. You know, there's no there is absolutely no harm in in you know being uh, being critical about a team and you know performance but it's when you hone that in on one particular person and then just needle away at it or you know some people seem to be frothing at the mouth ready to just sharpen all the knives and you know really get stuck in on Tuesday night to to the team or one particular player there's just it's ridiculous like we will you know we will have better games we'll have worse games but You've, you've got to support your club at the end of it through through everything. And that's not to say that we need to be 
relentlessly positive for absolutely everything. Like, you know, you keep, I think Michael said it before, you know, you keep the losses close for as long as you need to. Um, and you, you learn from it and you're not going to learn from it if all you're doing is, is being relentlessly positive. You're not going to sit, you're not going to learn anything if all, you know, you think everything's amazing and everything's excellent all the time. Um, you've got to, you've got to be able to criticize, but you've got to do it fairly. Yeah, you think, actually, I think there's actually two separate points there. I think the question and the first point that you made were different because the question was people being called out for individual mistakes. And then you referred to scapegoats. Um, and it's easy to blur those lines. But I think um, the difference is if a player makes a mistake, fans will discuss it. And it is that simple. Now, it's how you then do it. If they then turn into a scapegoat, i.e. you are looking for those mistakes, that's when it's an issue. And I think to a degree, I've seen that with Bramwell and Paul. For instance, Paul not squaring it yesterday uh, was an individual error of judgment in some people's eyes. And instantly it was, Paul, what are you doing there? Square it, man. I I can't think who tweeted that. Can you, Ben? Um, (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So, but that's, you've made a point there, a comment on an incident. And that I think is football. That's entirely justified to say he should have squared it is justified. And I made the point then about, well, what about the fact he won the ball? And people are like, yeah, yeah, well done. So that you will discuss, those things will be discussed. That's football. If we couldn't do that, we wouldn't have a podcast. There wouldn't be a thriving fan media industry or a dying print journalism industry because, you know, Ever since the beginning of time, the great Maurice Burton, journalist for the Echo back in the 70s, he would make comment on incidents. That's football. When you're looking for a scapegoat, that's different. When you're looking at the left bank, go Bramall shit, and then you look for things to fit the narrative where, you know, God, that clearance from Bramall was crap. That's led to the goal. OK, you think that that's the error. First of all, that's not, you know, he hasn't booted it into the net or passed it to a player to put it in the net. There's other actions that have happened. And it was a weak goal to concede. But, you know, Bramall actually played very well yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think if you then go, well, we drew that game because Bramall did that, that's unhealthy because yeah. that's not why you draw a game. There are 90 minutes. You don't lose a game based on one single player doing one single thing wrong. So I think to talk about players' mistakes, and when you say call them out, uh, it's not a phrase I particularly like because you calling a player out if you say, oh, that wasn't a very good tackle. He's given the ball away there. Are you calling it out? Or are you merely observing and doing a, a, you know, whether we're pundits, whether we're whatever we choose to label ourselves as, everybody is now. You, Everybody's got a mobile phone. Everybody's got social media. Everybody will make a comment. That's football. That happens. That's acceptable. Scapegoating is different. Um, and I'm not behind scapegoating at all because football is a team game. There are so many variables, so many different elements and aspects to the game that, unless it's a blatant handball or nil-nil or something like that, one player doesn't always lose you a game. Mm. I've got one question as well, seeing as you thought that uh, you were being clever earlier by asking me whether I had a question or not. Um, This is from (laughs) Ian T. Who is the like... No, that's not the question I wanted. Where's the question I wanted? Oh, there we go. It's from Luca. Uh, Who's been your player of the season so far? Nice, simple one. Over to you first, Ben. Uh... I think it's George Grant for me. Cool. Simple answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, do you know what? I said it's a nice, simple one, and I've just had <laughs> the least 
at least three players go through my head. Grant has got to be the obvious obvious shout. Uh, yeah, if Bridcut played more games, he would be up there, but he hasn't. Um, Conor McGrandles has had a very, very good season. Mm-hmm. Done very, very well all season for me as well. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think at the moment, George Grant. I think because we've tailed off mm-hmm. George Grant, I think had we not tailed off and we'd still been putting in performances like we did against Northampton and Burton over Christmas or as we did away at Portsmouth, it would be much harder um, to pick a player of the year. And I think when you also look at some of the injuries we've had, that rules some players out. So again, I, I think if Bridcut had played 35, not 20 games or whatever, I think he'd be up there. I think if Joe Walsh had played 30, 35 games, he would be up there. Um, I think if Brennan Johnson had maintained the form he showed up until probably until Morgan Rogers arrived, dare I say, he might have been up there as well. So, um, but yeah, probably George Grant for me, Luca. So anyway, there we go. I've asked a question, Ben. So back over to you, mate. Cool. Right. Well, there was actually, there was one more question, uh, which was kind of a bit facetious, but it said, uh, you know, serious question. Do you, uh, do you wait until something positive happens to record the pod? Um, no. Uh, the honest answer as to why we didn't record on Thursday is because I wasn't very well. Um, that's that's it. I had a really, really well. I believe that I can't repeat the wording that I sent to Gaz um, as to why we didn't record on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, I had a horrendous headache, um, and then towards the end of the evening, I was, I was downstairs cooking tea, and I just thought, nope, I'm I'm not feeling well here at all, and pretty much nearly passed out on my kitchen floor. So. Uh, that's Things the reason you'll do to force a takeaway. Unbelievable. <laughs> Can't um, cook tea. I'm sat on the kitchen floor. I've uh, quick, quick thing blacked out. <laughs> no, we'd, it was halfway cooked. So, you know, you know, bless her. She finished it off. And um, yeah. <laughs> of course you did. We had did a lovely you go upstairs to sit in your computer room on your own for 10 minutes? No, <laughs> I sat on the, I sat on the, uh, I sat on the sofa and um, was drinking water to try and get myself all right. So, uh, Thank you for your concern, Gaz. It's much appreciated. Yeah, I was concerned at the time. I'm just taking the piss now. <laughs> um, but no, that's 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 the reason um, for that. So, uh, and and to be fair, I was asked by several people after I mentioned in an article about um, what happened at McDonald's. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, it goes. I I don't. I haven't had a McDonald's in over a year. Obviously, we don't live anywhere near where there's junk food. And generally, I don't like people or queues. Uh, but on Mother's Day, we went and dropped uh, my mum's flowers and card off. I'll insert the obvious socially distanced uh, there as well so that people know I wasn't breaking the rules by seeing my own mother uh, or protesting or anything like that. So um, and then I've decided to go to McDonald's. So Fee said she wants a coffee. I thought, brilliant. I'll have, I don't know, just anything, anything that's crap and bad for me. Now, on Outer Circle McDonald's, you can come into Outer Circle McDonald's two ways. You can come from the Ermine or from the um, Jillies and turn left and come yeah. in from that way. Or you could go up to the Outer Circle traffic lights uh, at, what is it, near Go Outdoors, yeah. come round into the estate, and then you will approach it from the other direction. So I've come from Upper um, Outer Circle Drive, turned left, and the queue is the other side so the queue for the drive through is going back round the car park as if you've come in through the industrial estate so because this is the type of guy i am i instead of trying to cut in the queue because there's two lanes for drive through but for me they're not feeding in from either direction you queue one direction then you take whichever lane so i've gone and joined the back of the queue 
so the cars have moved forward i'm two i'm one car sorry from the front of the queue so there's a car in front of me and then there's me behind him and then the air the one way i've come in cars suddenly start queuing from the other direction as well jump in the queue so there's this queue of 10 15 20 cars going around the car park and this knob comes in just sits there just turns straight in misses the queue but then there's a queue formed behind him now i'm a reasonable man so i thought if they start feeding in i will forgive them this indiscretion because there's nobody from mcdonald's marshalling there's no sign saying queue this way it's a mistake which a reasonable man like myself who considers the thoughts and needs of others will recognize but what the general selfish general public will probably not do is turn up and go i can get in quicker here and they'll do that so i thought i'll let them do that as long as they feed in but they didn't feed in they just all kept driving in and the knob in front of me didn't have the gumption to cut across and block them off. So I'm sat there while these cars are coming in. So I'm getting angrier and angrier. So I'm pipping the horn uh, and then I start gesticulating out the window. And I don't know if anybody ever used to watch Bottom, but I was kind of doing that, you know, <laughs> at the window and the people were still turning in. So then I've wound my window down and dropped a couple of C-bombs, um, which is massively unlike me because i had fee in the car and she doesn't like any of that sort of thing and they kept doing it and i was so close to getting out of the car these people were just like shrugging at me as they were turning in it's like what are you shrugging for knobhead you know what you're doing you're doing it purposely and it's not even like it's young people i expect it from young people who don't understand the way the world works but you know i'm talking about a mom a, a, a mom and daughter who were like 50 and 70 or something like that a couple in a range rover like both gray and hair and they're, they're all doing it and the sense of entitlement got me to such a point that it was either i climb out of my car and go over to somebody or i drive off with my hand on the horn flicking the visas i went past shouting the word the c-bomb at them all so I did that. That's what I was going to say. Please tell yeah. me you did the latter. Yeah, because that, that is just like, that is just peak your life is a sitcom moment. Yep. And so, and the worst thing is, so I've done that, but then because I've done it, I've ended up going out of the wrong bit of McDonald's. So I've had to turn left onto Outer Circle when I actually wanted to go right. So I've then had to drive all the way up to Wicks, round onto the new bypass to get home because I've, I'm in that much of a rage. Bear in mind, we haven't got a McDonald's either and I'm bloody starving. Fee's just sat there in awkward silence as if like you've been a knob, but if I say that, it's all going to kick off. And then I turned right and I knew this as well. I turned right, got all the way to Sudbrook. The bloody A158 was closed at Langworth, wasn't it? And I knew that because I'd come that way to Lincoln, saw that the road was closed, had to go the back roads to Netland for mum and thought mentally I'll go home by Market Raisin. But because I was so angry, I then had to go all the way back round the back way of Sudbrook, round the back way around Scotland. So I got home and at that point calmed down. Well, I haven't because I'm still mad about it now. But calm. <laughs> I've kind of come into fee and I've said, uh, you know, yeah, I lost it. But can you understand why? She said, yeah, yeah. I said, right, I'll make you a drink. I said, I'll make you a nice coffee because I'll have tea. I said, uh, I thought you wanted a McDonald's coffee. And she just looked at me with this stony face and went, I wanted a McDonald's coffee. And then turned <laughs> walked away. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. that was me and McDonald's. So for there, there you go, listeners. If you were in or around the outer circle uh, road area of Lincoln around half past two last Sunday afternoon, and you heard the C-bomb, and by the C-bomb, I'm sure you all know what I mean, but I'm not talking about cauliflower or cabbage or cock, or even cock. It wasn't even cock. It was another <laughs> reference to genitalia, which I don't normally use. 
if you heard it that. wasn't even cock it I wasn't think we found the episode title yeah it wasn't that so if if, if you heard that uh, i apologize unless you were parked having turned from the left uh, and then i'd kindly ask you to never listen to the stacy west podcast again until you get some manners <laughs> well there we go um i've made myself angry ben actually again oh gaz you were angry at the start of this because skype decided to start playing up I feel angry generally at the minute. I think it's because me and my brother have started playing Fallout 76 again and he had all week off last week and he was levelling up while I was having to write articles about online gaming. Yeah, no, that, that'd do it. That'd do it. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. For a child, Ben, that would do it. For somebody <laughs> who, who is in a delicate position. So Obviously, as well, just to finish, I, I did a couple. I'm not going to do any sort of long dialogue but obviously it's been 10 years uh for those who read my site they will know what that means so 10 years today was uh my first step to recovery so i'm recording this on the sunday so the 21st would have been a, a monday i believe in 2011 so um yeah just you know if you uh would like to read uh about what happened to me 10 years ago it's there on the stacy west uh, and I had a, a message, I won't say who it was from, I had this message on Saturday that actually uh, made me a little teary, and I never get like that unless it's in McDonald's, usually, um, with anger. But a guy messaged me and basically said, um, you know, I meant to message you before, uh, I was going through chemotherapy when you released your book in um, 2019, uh, and it helped me get through it. And then he sent me a picture of himself uh, undergoing um, treatment for cancer whilst reading my book and I just was like wow do you know what I mean <laughs> like, that's, I just, that's pretty huge I, I wrote my book I wanted to help people I mean I didn't cynical people might say I wrote it to make money or sell I didn't do you know what I've never I haven't really pushed it I haven't gone to publishers I haven't you know kind of said buy my book at every opportunity I said it about oh, two weeks after it was released but I think I just wanted people to read it. And if they go, actually, there's some benefit there. Um, and that was why I did the articles this weekend. Just that, you know, if there's benefit there, then brilliant. And then when then when the lad, and if you listen to this, you'll know who you are. I'm not, you know, it's not fair for me to divulge that. But when he sent me that, it was just like, fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? Like, nothing else really matters, does it? It's just, that's why we're here. We're just here to make other people's lives better if we can. And, if I helped him through that, he has no idea whatsoever the sort of inspiration that he's now given me to go, well, actually, maybe I should do more if I can reach people in that way. Um, you know, he he has reached me in that way. You know, it's not yeah. about me. It's about. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think I, I, I said something as well on there about, you know, the. I know. <laughs> the, the fact is, oh, ice cream. Um Sorry, no, very random ice cream bun showing up on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you've probably, um, I think it's fair to say that you've helped me a lot more than I think you realise with, with a lot of stuff. So it's um, it's a it's a very important read. Um, you know, it's a good it's a good read, and it's uh, one that I think everyone should check out. So uh, that's probably a decent spot to end the pod this week. I do think Netflix should make it into a series. <laughs> what the podcast or? No, no, not the podcast. That we wouldn't get away with it, um, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think you could say what what we're going to call it. Let's go watch season six, episode seven of it. Wasn't even cock. <laughs> <laughs> right. And on that note, 
we'll see you again on Friday when we look forward to the Oxford game. Um, take some more questions, I think. Send them to us on Twitter. All right. See you later, guys. Up the imps. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.